Hello everyone and welcome back to Not Ready for Rhyme Time. I'm your host, Taylor Woodland. This is a little bit late, so I'm a day late because I had some family things going on this weekend. So happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day! That's a mouthful. I have another book feature author episode for you. This one actually was planned in advance, so this book is a recent release. It is called Man vs. Happiness by Frida Kilimari. Kilimari. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. So let's just get right on into it. I put the quill down and rubbed my temples, trying to breathe some life back into my drowned soul. Writing all these stories, it's important, but it's taxing. This one, for example, is about a teenage girl who got caught in a cafe shooting somewhere in Arizona, U.S., 2014. It didn't end well, but her journey was important. She had saved humanity's mirror realm from a greedy, selfish old prune, but she paid the ultimate price. Her sanity. And this one, this one hurt me. It's about a young girl who was a little different, and she was bullied and teased for it. Eventually, it ended in suicide. How many more of these stories are going to be about humans losing their minds, losing their lives? What is happening on Earth? If it's this bad, why hasn't anyone stepped in? Who am I kidding? I already know the answer to that. We cannot meddle, only record. The room flickered in the orbed light, illuminating thousands of golden shelves that reached beyond what the eye could see. Each shelf filled to the brim with stories of untold heroes and villains. They're all important, the tomes of time. We can never learn from humanity's mistakes if we never know the truth of them. All the textbook histories, they're written by the winners. They're all biased, but not these. They're recorded exactly how they unfolded. That's the truth of my existence. Living through everyone else's mistakes, never making a life of my own. I am the Legacy Scholar, the one and only person in the universe who can document humanity's triumphs and place their lessons into tomes. The portal mirror flashed with an array of vibrant colors, showing me a will of past lives. It flickered past ghost stories to demon curses, round and around the wheel of time it spun, its golden casing now glowing a rainbow of colors. It usually settled once it picked a new story for me to write. It'll probably take a few days. It had been picking the same decade and planet recently. 2020, Earthen Time. I like to think it understood how difficult it is to write these tales every day without a break, so it takes its time choosing. Sometimes it even lands on a story that has already passed. No one knew how it worked or how it was invented. But ever since the dawn of time, we've recorded every important story we could. We recorded things from every known time and place, every realm and planet of humanity, and featuring every creature you could possibly imagine. From little blonde girls falling down rabbit holes to other universes battling with bright glowing sabers. We've recorded them all, and they're stored here in the Library of Time. Looks like I have some time to myself for a change. 
I stood up from the chair I'd had my backside in for the past 28 hours and stretched my aging muscles. This used to be easier when I was younger. I stepped off the raised desk in the center of the library and went browsing down the aisles. I'd been here all my life. First when training to become a legacy scholar. Then when I finally passed the test and became one, but I still haven't been down every aisle, looked at every book. The library of time was endless, and I wanted to be able to get through all its stories before I died. That much I knew, but I was sure going to give it a go. Aisle 1345B, Times of Earth's Lost Magic. Ah, this is where I sat a day ago. I thought as I noticed a wooden stool pulled out from a small reading desk halfway down. My book... I mumbled as I picked it back off the desk and opened it to the bookmark I left inside. Dragons were known to wander the earth. Three days it took for the portal mirror to start showing signs that it was slowing down, its colors changing slower and the images lasting longer. I sat with a cup of honeydew and continually wet my quill as I waited for it to select a new story. You still sitting there, dear? My wife's voice rang from somewhere among the shelves. You complain about never getting a break, but you don't take one when you can. She always said the same thing, that I stressed myself out with all the waiting around. Rolling my eyes, I dipped the quill into the inkwell for the hundredth time. You'll have to illustrate all these soon, don't you forget that, I retorted. I know, I know, she called out as beautifully as ever. Every tome is best illustrated so readers know what they're looking at when using the stories. We're the legacy scholars until we pass it on to another pair. I know, I know. I looked over at the portal mirror again and noticed the curler had faded slightly. That was odd. It had never done that before. Dear, would you come here a minute? I called to Everly. She popped her head out from the third bookshelf and walked over. I wondered to myself, not for the first time, how she managed to stay so graceful in our old age. One hundred and three years next season. Had it really been that long? We both watched the portal lose more and more color. Even the casing had stopped glowing. What's wrong with it, dear? she asked. I'm not sure, I replied. We should go ask the high counselor. He might know. I wanted to scream. This was the last tome before I got to go on that fishing trip with Ede, but instead, only a small moan escaped my lips. He's certainly been around long enough. It's not polite to mumble, dear. Victims of the Hollow Witch Massacre, January 24th, 2020 Death in our world, lives taken by war. Love means nothing behind a closed door. Where no one can see... And no one can tell the pain in this world delivered shell by shell. These people that die, their innocence taken, stolen from their tree to worlds that reawaken. Together always there will be a place for the people that die for love to embrace. Because their fate was cut by the rope and the gun, by the bomb and the war, but mostly by men with bodies slain on the floor. Samantha Terridor, September 3rd, 2020. 
I'm holding on to something, hoping it will come back, but knowing it won't. Sometimes I just feel so alone. Some people think holding on will make you stronger, but sometimes it's letting go that does. I sit here crying, not because I miss it, but because I know I'll never have a chance to be me again. You've made me laugh, you've made me cry, you've made me heartbroken, and you've made me die. She brings the razor to her wrist, then brings it back, thinking, I can get through this. I do to my body what has been done to my soul. Yeah, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. So I'll just add another scar tonight. Silence is the most powerful cry. She strikes a pose, but dies inside. Nobody knows she's a beautiful suicide. It used to be the reason I breathed, but now it's choking me up. Die young, save yourself. I know how it feels to be on the edge of your bed, your head buried in your hands, wishing everything would end. It only hurts when you start pretending it doesn't. Andrew Matthews, December 18, 2020 Bright white wings shimmering in the moon. Night is here, death follows soon. This life is draining, my emotions are gone. The pain gets worse, with a heart gone numb. For the human race, it cheated me thrice, so again and again I slice and slice. All the lives I have taken, all the pain I have given, I hope it's enough for me to keep on living. Isabella Markel, May 3rd, 2021 As the guitar climbed higher up the scale, Isabel concentrated on raising the pitch of her voice. It reminded her how so much she hated all these extracurricular classes Mom made her take. Singing hurts my throat, and I have to stand, apparently. It makes your lungs draw in more oxygen and promotes good posture. Isabel stifled a yawn, and her pitch faltered. She couldn't hold the note any longer. Great, she thought, on top of her terrible singing voice. She couldn't stop yawning. I shouldn't have read so late last night. She warmed her voice back into position, but Jessica, a stupid over-exaggerated moron whose brain cells couldn't power a turd, let alone control a human mind, edged her elbow into Jessica's ribcage and pushed her off the platform. Ah! She yelled, losing her balance and landing straight on her butt, cutting off the rest of the choir's rendition of Wonderwall. Jessica stepped off the platform with her hands glued to her hips. What's your problem, Isabel? You can't even hold a note normally. Don't make it worse by yawning. Isabel could feel the blood boil and the anger spread to her already flushed cheeks, turning them a violent shade of red. Yeesh! They let anyone into the choir nowadays. We should have held auditions, she continued, not even looking in Isabel's direction, let alone offering her precariously manicured hand to help. My problem? You're the one who pushed me off the stand! This isn't a beauty pageant, Jessica. It's just a stupid school choir, Isabel yelled back and started yet another argument in music class. She stood up and noticed everyone else staring in her direction. A few of the boys rolled their eyes, probably thinking just another crazy episode from Isabel Markel. She bent down to tie her shoelaces back up and heard a rip crack the growing silence. Her tights made a giant ladder. Oh no, 
At least I have a spare. By the time she stood up, everyone's laughter pierced the air. Her cheeks burned and her heart hammered faster and faster. Her breathing stopped. I can't breathe, she thought, as she tried to remember what the doctor said. Before she could stop them, her legs ran her towards the classroom door. The teacher's voice echoed in her mind, telling her to come back. She didn't know where she was running to. She needed air, anywhere but in there. Out the building's front entrance and down the slope she ran, aiming for the fence. Her tights tore on the fence as she climbed through a hole she made last semester, making more ladders. Frick, she whispered, trying not to draw attention to herself. Her legs climbed further and further up the hill, and she only stopped to take her shoes off so she could run faster. Upon reaching the tree, she placed her foot in the worn-out cubby holes and climbed. She was running from the world. She sat there and cried, not caring about the world or anyone else in it. Her breaths became more and more ragged until she could no longer breathe. Her face turned blue as her mascara drooped down her pale face. What was going on? Why couldn't she breathe? Stop! she yelled at herself. One, never let them see. Two, you will be fine. Three, you're not alone. On and on she continued, reassuring her mind that everything was okay. Once she reached ten, she lifted her head and took in the surroundings. The birds' trilling voices were the first thing she noticed, with the sunlight filtering through the spring leaves being the next. Her breathing had returned to normal, but her mind still raced with panic. What if everything won't go back to normal? What if I'm stuck this way forever? Shaking the ridiculous thoughts from her head, she headed down the tree and back into reality. With a new pair of tights and freshly painted makeup, she left the school bathroom. The bell rang just as she opened the door, signaling the end of yet another day. She left through the side exit, not wanting to get caught by any teachers, and walked towards the back entrance. Through the crowds of kids, her eyes noticed Lucas, his brown hair with natural red highlights being a dead giveaway. Hey, Lucas! She and Lucas had been best friends since kindergarten, and there was no one she'd rather have cheer her up than him. What's up, Belle? he asked using the nickname he'd given her in second grade, after the obsession she had with Beauty and the Beast. He noticed her rushed makeup and still puffy red eyes, and he placed a hand on her shoulder. Not much. How did brand practice go? she asked, her best attempt at normal conversation. He seemed to notice her feeble attempt at normalcy, and responded with, Pretty good. We finally found a female lead vocalist willing to sing heavy metal. That's great. Not long till the concert now, eh? Nah, not too long. But we'll be fine. It's enough time to practice anyway. So, you want to talk about it? He looked at her face, trying to judge her reaction. Not really. Just another stupid me moment. I just can't react right to anything. It's all right. Want to catch up on our league tonight? Your parents are working anyway, right? We'll make fifth rank if we ace some of those trials. He trailed off, chatting about the game. He sensed her hesitation and desire to be alone, so he added, If you play Boer with me, I'll help you shop for a new outfit for the choir's recital. Damn, he was good. As the corners of her lips curled into a smile, he knew he'd won. All right, she said, but only if you promise to give me enough time to get that math assignment done. I still haven't started it yet. With your math skills, you want me to help with that too? 
he jibbed, only half-joking as he sneaked a small wink in her direction. Sure, I'll order us some pizza. After a great night shopping, playing Beauair, and finally making headway on that stupid math assignment, she hugged Lucas goodbye at the door and watched him walk down the drive and out the gate. She closed the door and looked at the clock on the counter, noticing the time. 11.35 p.m. Mom and Dad will be home soon. I better get to bed. Taking the stairs two at a time with her newfound energy, she realized she had her first panic attack without cutting progress, she thought to herself, as a small smile crept across her face. As she reached the last stair, the bathroom door caught her eye. Maybe a shower would help me unwind. Maybe it'll help with the nightmares, too. The bathroom door clicked shut behind her as she reached for a makeup wipe and got to work on removing the day's mask. An eerie, tingling sensation ran down her spine, like when that kid from across always stared at her. Is someone watching me? Already naked after taking her clothes off to shower, she felt even more exposed than usual. She resisted the urge to cover herself back up. I won't be afraid in my own home, but she couldn't shake the tingling sensation that played the piano across her spine. Could someone hide a camera in here? Wanting to get into bed, she jumped into the shower and rushed a scrunchie over her skin. She couldn't bring herself to pull the shower curtain across, though. She'd watched that movie one too many times. As the water poured down her back, she put the settings to perfection and took one breath after another. It'll be okay. There's nothing scary here. I locked the front door. She conjured up a mental image of turning the key in the lock, which seemed to bury her nerves back behind the wall. The shower floor radiated heat as she sat there, letting the water trickle down her face. She contemplated why she couldn't bring herself to get over this ridiculous new persona. Having a panic attack every time someone yells at me is just stupid. I can't go through life like this. It's all his fault. The stupid gunman in the cafe that night. Broken from her thoughts, she heard the knocking from the bathroom door. Mom? Dad? Is that you? She turned off the shower so she could hear better, but there was nothing but the sound of her hair dripping onto the floor. Placing one foot over the shower lip, she heard it again. She let out a yelp and tripped over the shower door, falling flat on the bathroom tiles. This time, without the shower muffling the sound, she could hear it coming from within the room. It was just a rat. It was just a rat, she calmed herself. Isabel picked herself up off the floor, rubbing her elbow, and paused to listen again. Nothing. She could hear nothing. After she finished drying, she wrapped the towel around her head, trying her best to fit her long black hair into it. Isabel wiped the condensation from the mirror and used another wipe to get the rest of her stubborn makeup off. She closed her eyes, ready to wipe the mascara dripping from her eyelashes. Once done, she sprung them open and tried rubbing them clear. She observed her naked face in the mirror and noticed herself. Pale skin, eyes closed, lips darker than... R eyes closed? Ah! She screamed. Great, she was going crazy as well as anxious. As she spun around, trying to clear her head, she noticed her clothes on the bathroom floor. Shoving them into the wastebasket, she looked back into the mirror and nothing. Eyes open and nothing freaky. I must be more exhausted than I thought. 
Time for bed. Yes, bed. End of excerpt. That was Man vs. Happiness by Frida Kilmari. You can follow Frida on Twitter at Author Kilmari. A-U-T-H-O-R-K-I-L-M-A-R-I. I will also leave a link in the description box of this episode where you can find this book. It is on Amazon. This was a pretty short episode, but such is the nature of author feature episodes. I will have more for you, hopefully again starting on Sunday, and I will start trying to get them recorded ahead of time so I can be a week ahead so we don't do this whole skippy thing going on. Yeah, we'll do that. Thank you again, Frida, for submitting your book. Also, please remember to subscribe if you are enjoying the podcast, and you can even like the episode, too. I would much appreciate it. You can also follow me on Twitter at TaylorWoodland5. One other thing, I was invited to be a guest and was interviewed on the 13th Story. It is also another podcast on CastBox. You can check that out. It's by Alan Welker. Thank you again, Alan, for letting me be a guest on your show. It was a lot of fun. Well, that's pretty much all I got. This has been Not Ready for Rhyme Time, and I have been your host, Taylor Woodland. Remember, mind the gap.